Welcome to episode 30 of the Through the Point podcast. This week I was fortunate enough to have on someone who has a former Division III thrower myself. I always admired his amazing performances and recognized his name, and that person is Division III record holder Tim Van Lue. Tim threw 75-55 at a Division III school, so I think we need to just take a second and appreciate how amazing that is. And couple that with the fact that he was a soccer player in college who considered track his second sport. He didn't even get recruited or didn't plan to throw in college, but then picked it up again his sophomore year after throwing a little bit in high school, and the rest is history. Tim also said he threw only twice off a real runway while training in college, so that makes his success even more amazing. My biggest takeaway from this interview was our discussion about the right fit for college. Obviously, he didn't have amazing facilities, but he made it work and was able to have a really successful career and post-collegiate career, and not just focusing on the glamour or the names of some of these big schools. So high school athletes, you got to pay attention to this one. I appreciate Tim taking the time to talk to me, and hopefully you can all learn something from this interview. As always, thanks for listening, and enjoy. I'm here with a very special guest as a Division Three thrower myself. He's obviously someone to aspire to. Uh, it's Tim Van Lu. I've always uh, looked at your name on the leaderboard when I was competing at the Division Three. He's the Division Three record holder and a personal best of 79.62. Tim, for thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome to be here, man. It's this is this is unique, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, and Tim actually reached out to me. I had always, I think I followed your uh, personal account, but he reached out to me because you're a coach at Rowan University, correct? Yep, yep. Yeah, so he reached out to me and just said, if there's anything he could do, uh, he'd love to help. And obviously, I'd love to have him on as a guest. So it worked out perfectly uh, to get him on here. So glad to have you. Do you want to start yeah. with just talking about what you're up to right now? I guess you talked about your uh, six and a half month break from work and just everything yeah. going on in your current life. Yeah, absolutely. So um still i guess it, you know it's still a recent father um you know so my wife and i have a 10 and a half month you know almost 11 month year old so uh month year old excuse me 11 month <laughs> old um yes because we keep saying oh my gosh she's going to be one soon so yeah that's been taking us you know every bit of my you know my life since the pandemic hit you know and of course before then just balancing you know being a new father when he was first born me still working but wife on maternity but you know, ever since March 16th, I came home early from work because I work in the fitness industry. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we saw the news story pop up. We were like, well, shut the lights off, close the doors. See you when I see it. Kind of, it's, that's kind of how that went. But yeah, it's been great. You know, we're gearing up finally. We got the okay from um, Rowan Athletics to finally get started. You know, so I'll actually be on campus tomorrow coaching for the first practice, uh, which is really cool. But been back to work now. This is week two. Um, so it's kind of going back in the normal, you know, quote unquote, normal swing of things at right. this point. Right. That's really nice, though, as we talked about, to just have that opportunity that pretty much nobody else is going to have, hopefully in any any lifetime, because we'd prefer this to not happen again. But Absolutely. to be able to make the most of it, especially with the newborn and just have that, that's really awesome. Yeah, nothing, nothing like it to everyone who's going to listen. There's nothing like it. So even if even if you're young or, or if you're already a parent, you already understand. But to all the you know, any throwers out there, any athletes listening, like parenthood's phenomenal. So, you know, 
be smart, of course, when you're thinking about those <laughs> things. But you know, it's it's uh, I love it. I'll, I'll bet being a dad's the greatest thing in the world. There's life after javelin. It's good to hear. There's that. life after javelin, people. <laughs> Do you want to start with just talking about your athletic background growing up when you were playing whatever sports you were playing? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, I play, I tried my hand in everything. You know, I kind of followed in my brother's footsteps to play soccer. Um, and soccer was my main sport, even all the way through college. But, you know, I played um, soccer, golf, baseball. Um, I would try street hockey. You know, I was, I was actually pretty set on skateboarding uh, when I was really young. You know, I tried everything, just throwing myself anywhere I could to skate. Um, you know, I, I remember walking slash skating like five miles just to go to some industrial park when I was younger in high school and stuff. So, you know, I was really into it, but you know, soccer is really what stuck, um, you know, pretty, you know, I always, as a young kid, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, so soccer, and I thought soccer was the, you know, was the key. So, um, you know, high school was able to play two years, uh, with varsity. Um, we did pretty well, we did pretty well overall, but my senior year, we did really well. Um, you know, and then uh, a high school teammate who went to Rutgers, where I ended up going to school, was the reason why I went to Rutgers. He reached out to me uh, the summer, like August of my senior year, so August of 2007. Uh, it was just like, you know, I don't know what your college plans are, but, you know, none of our goalies are returning. And our, I told my, you know, I told our coach, uh, Coach Tim Oswald, about you. Um, you know, he's like, I think you could come in um, you know, fight for a starting job. And, you know, really from that point, when I looked into the school, I visited, met with the coach, saw that they had my program and I was, I, I didn't even apply anywhere else. I didn't look anywhere else. Uh, well, that's not true. I looked at Eastern, um, the soccer coach, I went for a visit. The soccer coach didn't even look at me. So I was like, well, I'm not coming here. Right. Um, I got a couple letters. I never really, I didn't want to go out of state, you know? Um, so like Washington, St. Louis had sent me letters, but you know, and actually look back, they have a really good soccer program. Yeah, so, they do. <laughs> yeah. So I could have, you know, maybe that would have benefited me, you know, somewhere down the line. But at the same time, like I loved Rutgers Camden. We did so many great things there, um, you know, for the four years I played and then the two years I spent coaching as well. So super happy I, I chose Rutgers. Absolutely. And it, it's nice how that works out. And Eastern University is the I don't know if he's even graduated yet. Alma mater, my, my good friend Grant. Yeah, yeah Grant, Grant Fresher. Yeah. He normally listens too, so I'm sure he'll yeah. be he'll be on here. But uh, sorry to hear the coach didn't look at you there. But like I That's said, okay. glad glad it worked out like that. And it's just amazing how things fall in place sometimes. Yeah, I mean it's funny because we played Eastern all four years, um, and we beat them three out of four years. And the coach, actually Mike's college coach, and that coach at the time, um, what like they were good friends know each other for years and he was just like man we should have recruited him so like <laughs> <laughs> uh, um you know and again I like again that's his words like I you know I am not gonna sit like I know I had a good career I don't want to sit here and you know toot my own horn but like they were they had a good program they had good kids they we always played them I mean I you know it's not like we blew them out you know and the year there was one nothing with the year they beat us and we played them really close and they just found that break and we didn't but I love, you know, they have such a good program. We've had coaches help from um, help at Rutgers who went there. So mm -hmm. that program's great. Um, again, like our, you know, even the coach that's there now, if it's still Jeremy Payne, like he was at Messiah, we played them. He's like Nat two-time national player of the year, something like that. Some, you know, so like 
still got a great program. They've done well. So yeah, Eastern. And then obviously knowing Grant, um, seeing his gigantic body down the <laughs> runway. Uh, don't kill me, Grant, that I said that. But yeah, Grant's great. We still keep in contact because he actually, the company that I work with, he used to be at a different location of the same company. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it's interesting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I started, he came over and helped train me when I started like the first, my first or second week. So yeah, Grant's, Grant's a great guy. We still, we still talk um, every now and then right now. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's funny that he was training you as well, because it's just yeah. like that normally you would not expect that, but <laughs> no, not <laughs> really at all. Funny. But prof professionally, I mean, that guy's got his head on straight. So I was glad to, you know, learn from him and that when I first started. Right, absolutely. So you said you were focused on soccer and track was yeah. basically an afterthought. Were you had you thrown the javelin before you got to college or was college your first time doing it? Uh, no, so I um, in high school, it was soccer. And then freshman year was baseball. Um, you know, I, I missed, I got tendonitis in my elbow, so I stopped playing. And then, like I said, like I grew up playing golf with my, with my family. So I went and played golf for two years in high school in the spring. It was, you know, if anyone plays golf, free golf is the best thing ever. <laughs> so, you know, two, two springs of that for a few months, even, you know, when the weather's not great, it's, it was awesome. Um, and then senior year, um, my, my, the new varsity coach was also then the track coach. So he was like, you know, I know you're going to Rutgers and he actually went to Rowan to play. So uh, he knew the, he knew the conference, the RNJAC conference, you know, it's super blue collar, super gritty, like just hardworking, you know, yeah. like, you know, not as, you know, it's just like, you know, you kind of get punched in the throat anytime you play in an NJAC game. So, um, but yeah, so he was just like, come out, you know, that, that college level fitness is a totally different beast. So come out, he wanted me to run 400 hurdles and four by fours, which, I didn't know what I was getting into at that point. Um, you know, I'm glad that I did it, but, um, but the, the throws coach also knew who I was. He knew I had a pretty decent arm just athletically and he wanted me for discus because I had longer arms. Like I've got a six, eight wingspan. So how tall I'm, are you? Uh, I'm uh, like six, three, um, but I've got a six, eight wingspan, yeah, so, say. <laughs> you know, uh, but, um, yeah, so that definitely, it, it helps and hurts in jab, but like for disc, you know, that amount of leverage would be great. But I couldn't, I would like throw that thing and it would just, um, you know, never stay flat. So yeah. my, my ultimate, you know, awesome discus PR was all of 95 feet. <laughs> so, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah. yeah it was, it was pretty bad, but you know, javelin, you know, I, I ended up running and throwing in a few, like the first two meets, but I think the second meet, I think it was like the second or third high school meet of the year. 400 hurdles I had already thrown jab that day um but I came over and ran and I ended up just kind of tweaking my hamstring mm -hmm. so nothing major but it kept me from obviously like you know doing the hard workouts and everything so I just stuck with jab and you know I went from in jab I went from my first you know meet of like 93 feet um to what was it? Uh, 181 at the end of the year. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I and really, it literally like my like my coach, my high school coach was like, just keep the jab flat, and you're gonna throw farther. And, yeah. You know, this came from practices of me hitting myself in the back of the head, which you know, hopefully I've no one that. ever. I've right. I, yep. I think at first everyone ends up doing it once in a while, but. You know, we, I had a, my coach knew a, a really good amount for, you know, as far as like a high school coach. I mean, he knew all the events, 
you know, he loved, you know, he just loved throwing. Uh, he loved the technical aspects of it. So, you know, he would, yeah, he was really focused on flat, you know, like keeping everything flat, throwing through the point, uh, you know, and then, uh, um, like finding, you know, like visualization on, you know, on an object far away. So right. that was, you know, those are things that I've carried throughout my whole career. Um, you know, and that really helped me. So, um, but high school went pretty well. Like I ended up winning a couple, um, bigger meets in our area, like a county meet, you know, uh, a couple like county-esque meets, I guess you would call them. And then second at sectionals, um, sixth-ish, fifth, six or something like that at States. And then I was first guy out at uh, Meet of Champs in New Jersey by like two feet or something like that. And I was pretty bummed, but my coach was like, this is your first year and you, you know, you just threw, you know, you basically, you know, doubled what you threw in the beginning of the year. But right. I was like, I was like, yeah, but I was like, I was like, these kids in front of me aren't better than me. Yeah. <laughs> so like my, you know, my competitiveness just takes over at that point. I was like, they're not better than me. Like, but you know, I ended up, you know, do obviously ninth in the state first year was, you know, really cool. And then, you know, my mom actually threw in uh, javelin as well in high school. So. Oh, really? Yeah, she ended up throwing. Uh, wasn't her main sport, but she was a thrower as well. Um, but she was like, you should do it in college. You should do it in college. I was like, no, I'm going for soccer. I already committed. Um, yeah, and then my my sophomore spring, uh, I worked for the athletic department um, just as, you know, like a couple hours a week with event staff for like, you know, spring games, softball, baseball, that kind of thing. And again, at our turf field, which is, you know, the soccer field, um, you know, and, um, and softball, you know, I was out there setting up for a game and I knew a couple of guys on the track team at that point, you know, made from, you know, had some friends there and came over and they were throwing turbo jabs on the turf. And I was like, Oh, I used to throw, can I throw one? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I throw one and I don't know. It, it's not like it went terribly far. You know, I'd never thrown a turbo jab. It's kind of awkward, but you know, I threw it a couple of times and the head coach, um, you know, who ended up being my coach all the way through my career, Joe Paleo came over. He was just like, He's like, you know, you're not bad. He's like, you should come out and actually practice. And I was like, oh, well, you know, what's the, you know, what's the criteria? He was like, just tell me you want to be on the team. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was like, all right, like I'll show, you know, I'll come to practice tomorrow, whatever. And, you know, ended up, you know, he was like, well, we compete. I think it was like a Monday or something. So he's like, oh, we compete on Saturday. So he's like, come out to a couple of practices. Like, you know, you're already set because you play soccer. So it's not like you need a physical and all that. So like, I just, um, you know, practice that week. And then that first meet that I didn't know it was, it was actually NJAX as our conference meet. So <laughs> he, he probably didn't tell me that on purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, he knew who I was like, just from like seeing like stuff from soccer and everything. So like, um, you know, he came out and, or, it, he, you know, again, he got me to be on the team. So I went there and funny enough, I didn't have jab spikes. I had, I had like running shoes, but like, I never, like I never tied them. I always like pulled them tight and knotted them at the end. So I didn't have to untie them and tie them. Yeah. So I threw in running, like, like running shoes on, on T at TC and J. And funny enough, I hit like a, like a couple foot PR. Like I ended up throwing like 56 or 57 meters, my first <laughs> college. So whatever yeah. that is, it's like 180, some like one high 180s yeah. or something. One, one, or I threw my first year was 57, 47. And that was like 188 or something like okay. that. Okay. So just, yeah, just below 190. And I, and it was interesting because another guy, another guy thrower was on the team 
was like a nursing major. So mm-hmm. he was never, he never competed because he was always doing clinicals or something, but he always came out for injects. So him and I didn't have a mark going in. So we were like the first two throwers in the first <laughs> flight. And at TC and J, the hammer and discus areas on the other corner. So the officials are standing out, you know, in that range. And like we both, because he threw, he was, he was like a 55, 56 meter kid. Um, well, guy, I mean, he's a kid, but um, so he threw, I threw first and I threw that like 57 right away. And I almost hit one of the officials and <laughs> the guy was like, hold up. He stopped, the, he stopped all the throwing events at that point. He was just like, who he's like why don't you have a mark i was like because i joined the team on tuesday like and he was just like so he rearranged the first flight believe it or not he was like all right the last like three kids and then myself and then my teammate john um all through our three throws then they started from the top of the flight did their three throws then did the second flight then i think I don't know if he made it or not. He might have been like first or second guy out because I, like I said, I was like seventh, you know, and they take trying to find so at conference. So I ended up seventh, and then you know that year in that was two thousand and what's that uh, ten? That's uh, when they they had like a uh, A and a, a A and a B or something for nationals before they just took top twenty. Okay. So I was like, they, I think it was like you had to throw like fifty eight. 50 or some some something like that some or like 59 50 or something to make it to get a number or to make the the uh, standard more or less um so i threw like a week later at like a last chance meet at swarthmore on the grass and i threw four further i threw like 58 and change um and then there was uh ecac which is dissolved now but it's it was a regional meet and i went up there and I didn't do so hot. I threw like 53, 54, and like 52. I was terrible. So <laughs> um, so my coach was like, hey, listen, there's one more meet next week. I think it was at Princeton, I think, if I remember correctly. And he was like, it's another last dance meet. Do you want to do it? And at the time, I didn't know that I was kind of on that bubble to make nationals. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I just want to go home like you yeah, know, was, yeah, yeah. You know, my semester ended it was like the first week after the semester and I was like I want to go home like I don't you know I wasn't thinking you know I didn't, and then I realized you know looking back I'm like I was you know I needed like one more meter to pretty much <laughs> secure a spot at nationals so um yeah that's kind of how my javelin collegiate javelin career got started that's just incredible and it seems yeah. like everyone I've interviewed it's either like when I interviewed Kara she was like a super yeah highly recruited person, like easy division one. And then anyone who wasn't at a division one school pretty much just like fell into it somehow. Like yep. it just awkwardly happened or weirdly recruited out of another sport, or you're just walking by and you think that's cool. It's just yeah. insane to hear all these stories because everybody has a different one, but it's just like two different worlds of like, these people are just like the blue chip prospects. And then the rest of them, right. like you're nothing your first year and you work in the department and you're just around the field and then you end up doing yeah. it. It's just, just crazy. But obviously yeah. you go on then to have an incredibly successful career. Do you want to just talk about the years following that? Like how was that? Well, what did you do that summer? Were you like training javelin that summer after that? Or you just take no. off? Yeah. So I, <laughs> no, I, I went right back into soccer training. So, you know, I came home and, you know, I, I, I had a couple months till preseason in August. Um, and so I just went back, I went with our, you know, my summer team was playing like two times a week. 
Um, and in the summer I worked uh, like a, like a landscaping S job. So I worked seven to five every day and then I would come home and I would run, I would do my running or I would go to, you know, my practice or soccer or whatever. And then uh, and that was Monday through Friday. And then Saturdays, you know, again, I would just, you know, get up train for soccer or whatever. Um, so going into my junior academic year, um, you know, I knew that I was going to throw in the spring. So I uh, completed our soccer season, um, you know, a little disappointing my junior year, but we came out with winning the ECAC for soccer, which was, you know, our first, which was my first uh, championship win. We had got my freshman year, we went on a tear. We were like 10th in the nation. We had won our first like eight games or some, some crazy like that. We were doing really well. And we get, we got to the uh, final I'm backtracking now in 2008, we got to the uh, NJAC championship lost to the then number like three team Montclair state who, uh, so, uh, you know, they're always really good. And then we got to the NCAA championship for the first time and something crazy happened. Um, let's just hit on soccer real quick. Something crazy happened because when they do the NCAA draw for soccer, you get matched up. Um, I've seen at, that. Yeah. At yeah, random, yeah. but we, we ended up playing Swarthmore. They actually drew somebody else, but it was in their conference. So they'd already played them like twice or something between like the regular season and then the postseason for their conference championships. So the NCAA switched the games. We ended up playing Swarthmore, who, again, they were like fifth or something in the country. They had some striker who had like 20-something goals. <laughs> this kid And that kid, the kid was insanely good. Um, I think – and we – but the crazy part was – played in a monsoon like I, I was a goalkeeper so I would take like you know like a six kicker or something like that and I as soon as the ball as soon as I hit it, it I couldn't see it in front of me really couldn't yeah <laughs> and you know we ended up losing uh we let up two second half goals um so we, nothing but again like playing in a monsoon was crazy but um you know so sorry to get back to it but after you know my junior year after we ended the next, so that weekend we played the ECAC championship. We ended up winning it. And then, so that was on a Sunday. That Monday I started indoor season for track. So right. ended up, so it just went right in. And that's actually where, like, I actually started getting, like, lifting workouts because I had never really lifted before that. So, you know, I get lifting workouts. And it was a former um, teammate who was then working in the athletic department and he like he loves strength and conditioning so he just gave us workouts he wasn't like a strength and conditioning coach he was just for our program you know just as you know someone who kind of knew what he was talking about so I went in you know sprint workouts 400 200 um, and long jump um, so did all that you know and I'm not good so I'm not able to talk about times or distances <laughs> um, but then um so my, that first full year of um, track, we went out and we did all local meets. You know, I started, I didn't throw very well early on, you know, meets at like Widener and TCNJ and things like that. And then it really took me till the end, till like the end of the, end of the year to kind of, you know, really get things together. Um, you know, I was, I was last, I was the last guy in in our conference meet. And then my last throw, I was just like, I'm just going to go for it. And then I, I threw my first 60 meter throw. So that took me from last place to second. Um, and then I, 
ECACs again at Moravian College. I threw another 60 or almost 61, which basically got me rated nationals. And then that year nationals was at Ohio Wesleyan and I placed um, seventh at nationals that first year. So in 2011. Um, so that was awesome. But the thing that really, I think this is really where like, like my coach and I, cause my coach was a running coach. He's mm -hmm. been, he was the Marine Corps running coach for a while. He's coached Olympians in the marathon, um, ultra runners who, you know, um, road race runners like top end. So, but he was super smart biomechanically. And for me, it was, how do we collaborate? And the thing that sparked that huge collaboration other than, okay, go be an athlete for me was he just sat there and listened to the other coaches. And basically when he was talking with other coaches, their main comment was, you know, thank goodness he's got a good arm because everything else mess on the runway, no body <laughs> control, like crawl, like didn't even know how to do like, not that I didn't know how to do crossovers, but it was just miserable. Like, yeah. but I was just able to bring it together enough for, you know, cause like my first two throws were good. Like they were like PRs. It was like 61 something and then 62, which whatever that 62 and change got me to seventh. And then after that, I just fell apart. Like it was like 58, 56, you know, it just kind of like fell apart in finals, but I just, that number held on for me. Right. So after that, he was like, all right, he watched every javelin video you could find. I did. Uh, so the next year um, uh, was, so that was my senior academic year. That was the best year uh, for me soccer wise too. So, and again, I didn't throw I didn't throw over the summer, went right back to soccer training. We were um, first time, first men's uh, team to win an NJAC championship that year. Uh, we hosted NCAAs for the first time ever. Um, we ended up winning. We ended up going to the elite eight lost in double overtime, which was heartbreaking wow. as a senior yeah. because we, we had it. We definitely had a chance to, um, to probably vie for a national championship that year. So we got, you know, I could, the details of the game are what they are. We, we there were blown foot calls, you know, that kind of led to, uh, you know, us losing, but, you know, again, great run. We were, we did so, so well. And then um, that, that, um, that winter, I didn't do indoor because I went and did professional soccer combine tryouts. Oh, really? So, yeah, so I got I I got invited to a few, and then I signed up for a couple other tryouts. I think I did like three total. So I went down to Alabama for one, um, out to Hershey because like the union were setting something up with their pro, like with their affiliate programs, and then um, one down in Maryland. So um, I actually that spring I got a call to go down to Texas for a weekend, like leave Wednesday, train Thursday, play Friday. Um, train again Saturday and come home Sunday the weekend a conference for outdoor and I was like <laughs> I can't go so um you know ended up competing so that spring I opened up with a huge like four meter PR like 66 meters and for all of like two minutes I was first in the country um and then a good friend of mine Gary Zach um ended up throwing like 67 down at virginia <laughs> and i was so mad because i posted on facebook about the number one in the country blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. so, and then gary just comments he was like you were i just threw 67 <laughs> so and gary's such a good sport like we you know we him and i kind of like we kind of had like i guess like a little rivalry he was better 
like my first years clearly like he was he was a national champ in Ohio my first year okay so you know coming back I was like I want to be that guy at the top of the podium like I want my coach to hand me the trophy and all that so um yeah so we we did we battled all year uh we were at a couple meets against each other I think we kind of split in the season like one and one um or something or actually I think that year he did he was at Penn with me you Penn or Penn really excuse me and he did better me there I did beat him at home um so love you Gary but I beat you at home that year and that's where I threw another PR another two meter PR 68 and change um and then that year actually going into conference you know I was this is I couldn't believe this and I I love the guy Dylan so he was throwing all four events to for points and I was coming in thinking I'm gonna win my first conference championship you know this that and the other and I think I threw, and it's crazy because I look back on it now, and at the time, all my throws were like 60 to 63. So for me, like I look back and like there in that year, that's like super consistent, you know, especially at that level. But he came over first throw, having already thrown hammer, disc, and shot, busted out of like 66. And I couldn't mentally. That's insane. Yeah. But he was so relaxed. Because like he was like kind of tired, so his body's like I know he's like I have to just kind of like give everything I have in this tired state. And his arm was so already so relaxed, he just popped one, and he was like I don't even know how I did it. Like, <laughs> and he even like I'm sure he'll say that today, but um, but either way, like, but I was so frustrated. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I was so amped up. I was like gonna like break the jab and amp. I was gripping it so hard on the cord, but. You know, my, my, my teammates and my coach were like, do you want to win a conference championship or a national championship? And I was like, well, I want both. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I ended up, so that year we went out to, I ended up winning, I think, no, I forget ECACs, or we went, I could, no, I graduated weekend of ECACs. So walking, I was, I was like, I don't want to walk. I want to go compete but my parents were going to kill me. So I had to walk. So, um, so I didn't go to Nat. I didn't go to regionals, the ECAC regionals. Um, but then I went to nationals and I won. So that was my first national championship. Um, like six first throw, like 67 something. And I, I beat Gary by two inches. Wow. Like, like that could have been human error. Um, but yeah, I was in the first, I was, I was in the first flight. I was one of the first throwers. So I had to sweat it out to like make sure I was prepared for finals because Gary threw really well that day, like super consistent. Dylan was on it. He threw like six, he threw everything between 63 and 65 meters. So we're kind of like, is this number going to hold? Because I'd have to go back and look, but I don't remember my other throws. I just remember like that throw holding on by two inches. So that was, that was like, that was obviously super, that was really cool. So that was 2011. Um, or excuse me, 2012. So that was an Olympic year. So my coach, again, he had already worked with some runners who were, uh, you know, Olympic trial finalists, uh, things like that. He was like, listen, you've got four years to the next Olympics. Do you want to do this? And I was like, wait, what? He was like, you know, to go from, you know, really to go from my, the end of my first year, 2010, 58 to 10 meter jump, two years later, um, you know, 68 and, you know, whatever the change was, he was just like, you can, he was like, if you put all your energy and time and energy into doing this and you kind of 
you know, wrap your life around it. He was like, you've got four years to go from 68 to, it was like 82 or 83, which, you know, again, I've heard you say it, like, that's a big number. Like that's, you don't wrap your mind around jumping another, what's that, um, 14 meters, yeah. you know, 15 years. But again, in two years, if I'm up 10, four years, you know, to get to, you know, essentially 15 meters was the goal. So from the summer of 2012, you know, through, you know, till starting 2013, um, all I did was train for javelin. So, um, you know, I, I took you know, four part-time jobs. Um, I was coaching soccer still with Rutgers. Um, I was, you know, I was working part-time at one uh, gym. I was actually coaching at a uh, Camden County, uh, Camden County College for soccer. And then I took just like a, um, like a bar back job just to walk out with cash every you know, right. weekend. So it's just like, it was, tr it was train coach or it was, it was, I'm sorry. I worked like opening shift. So I'd open, I would work out. I would get like an hour. I would go coach. I would come back and relax. I would go coach at night again. And then I would come back Monday through Monday through Saturday, but then Saturday, Fridays and Saturday nights after coaching, I would go and work at night so and and in wrapping training all around that but it worked out because all that time and energy you know i went i um applied back in the, or applied register back in school for classes because i had to be full-time having already graduated to compete again um and so i took four of the easiest classes ever <laughs> um so which was you know but it was great because i still you know i had i had a good time like i had you know i still had friends there at school and everything like that so you know i it, it all came down to throwing like six all of 63 meters of my opener that year and i was like what just happened because right. i i you know full year training you know just you know lifting all the time like throwing all the time <clears throat> you know way more med ball way more jab ball and i threw all of 63 meters i was like what just happened like where where's where's my bigger numbers where's my 70 where's this uh, right. the other and again, it took me a couple of meets to kind of, cause I was just, you know, I was just all over the place. Like I was definitely fit, but my technique wasn't there. And that was kind of another stepping stone because I knew like I, I didn't do, and I did all the physical work. I didn't do the other work, you know, as you know, in jab, like you can be as strong as you want, but if you, you know, you're not in control and you're not throwing, like you're not throwing well, um, you know, if you just try to throw far instead of throwing well, it's a totally different story. So, right. Yeah, so I, I brought it around. I had a meet up at, I think, up at TCNJ. I do love throwing there. It's a nice facility. I, I ended up coming, like, through, like, 66. So I was like, all right, we're kind of back on track now. Um, and then conference came around, and I I broke the con – the conference record was 66 from the year before with Dylan at Ramapo, and I broke it, like, three times. So I threw, like, 66-plus, then I threw 67 um, – and then I think like a, I got a little ahead of myself and I threw like another mid 60. And then at the end of the meet, I threw 69, 11. Um, so that was, that was good. Cause like one, I finally won a conference championship, <laughs> but two, I made that, like I made that next step towards 70 meters. Um, Cause the entire goal that year was like, it's, you know, yes, like an inject championships, nice, you know, becoming a, you know, two time national champ was going to be, really nice but the goal is to get to usas right and you know we didn't just look at my coach and i didn't just look at the the standard we looked at okay historically what does it take to get in 
um, what's the lowest number to get in, that kind of thing. And that I think the standard, the standard was probably like seventy two fifty, um, you know, in thirteen because it was a non Olympic year. It was a world year, but it was like a non Olympic year or anything. So, but usually, like you know, historically, like you can probably get in with like seventy meters, um, maybe seventy one. So that was the goal. It's just like break the seventy meter mark and you know, you know, hopefully just have that, you know, 70.52 or whatever to get in. Um, and then I went up, what, what was really encouraging, we went to ECAC as a regional meet and it was a 30 mile an hour headwind. And I just like, I just threw it on a near negative angle. Um, <laughs> and I hit like 65, but my coach was just like, no wind, that's a bomb. Yeah. So that was super encouraging because running and running into a headwind like that and then throwing into a headwind like that and still getting 65 was like all right that's good you know you're in shape it's there so kind of like what we talked about before we um you know started recording was i i never practice on a runway so before the week of nationals so we were i i practiced on i threw on tuesday we were leaving wednesday so we go to rowan which is right nearby um you know not that far from Rutgers or uh, Camden and the co again coach was gracious enough to let us practice there and I was warming up I was feeling really good you know it's May it's good weather you know all that stuff and then I threw like 70 72 72 and 74 and 73 and 72 in practice and I was like I'm ready oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that like that practice was huge and then 2013 is where the post-collegiate adventure started because um interestingly enough like you know my first throw at nationals 13 was like 64 and then a couple kids threw further and they were like oh he's not on it he's not gonna win um you know we can we, we can take him down like he's the national champ coming in next throw 75 55 <laughs> and, and like i i just remember i I can't remember the throw. All I know is that as soon as it, like, I, I remember, I don't remember looking at the point, like I was super trained to do. Um, I just remember that like for, for me, it was, if I could see the point right next to my temple, I was on it. Like, so if I carried that right next to the temple into my block, that's how I was, that's how I would throw well. So I just remember it being right there. And then I don't remember the block. I don't remember the throw. I just kind of remember the follow through and then it just kept going. Like, so <laughs> that, you know, and then I just looked up and I was like, I just started screaming my head off, of course, like, you know, like any good javelin thrower does. Um, and, and then uh, they read the number and one of my, one of my kids I had thrown against a couple of times from Whitworth, John uh, McCormick came over. He was like, well, congratulations. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. he's like, I'm going to go try for second place. <laughs> so, but that, I mean, that was, you know, obviously super cool moment. Um, and then I threw third throw was like 70 and change. And then I was in the first flight again. I was like the second or third thrower um, had to wait out the second flight, came back, weren't like how, like, and I knew I was on it that day too, because I had a 70 meter warm up throw. Um, like my thing was always like take some throws from crossovers, do like, you know, two light transition throws and then one full just to, you know, get that feeling. And it was like over 70. And I was like, all right, it's on. Yeah. So 
you know, so then I came back for, you know, fourth throw was 70. And then I started getting really tired. Like, and it was like, then it was like 68 and 64 again. So, and I was just like, I was exhausted, but oh yeah, yeah, it was really cool. But I remember the interview after, um, and they were like, did you know you were going to, you know, did you know something like that was going to happen? And I had to be honest. I was like, yeah, because, you know, again, I, that practice, you know, earlier this week, I was hitting the farthest throws of my life. Um, so I was like, it's just, you know, it was a really special moment. My parents were there. That was the first time they got to see me compete at nationals, you know, cause I got there three years or so that was, uh, uh, Wisconsin lacrosse. So they had a good trip. They got to see that, which was awesome. Um, and then I just, you know, then right after that, um, I competed one more time before USA's, um, up at Eichen stadium in New York. Okay. Um, super fast runway wasn't ready for it I managed like like a couple 70s so I was like all right we're still in you know we're still in good territory you know um and then like two weeks later was out at Des Moines and um I was just like I didn't know I didn't know the territory like I had seen guys like Krauser Sean Fury Craig Kinsley obviously now knowing Riley Dolezal um you know Andy Farringer um, Tim Glover, like all these guys that I've been watching on YouTube, like, you know, throwing 80s and, you know, 78s and all these things, um, you know, being Olympians, you know, Cyrus Hotstetler, um, you know, all these guys that just like, you know, like this is, you know, that's where I want to get to. Um, so the first throw, I botched it really like a 64 or something like that. <laughs> next throw was like, next throw was like 72 something. So I was like, all right, back on it next throw was like a little bit further and it was the same feeling as senior year in high school because I missed finals again by like two two and a half feet and I was like I was you know I was frustrated because I knew I was just like I just needed like one more throw and I'm sure that's a feeling for a lot of people but right. you know again you know ninth in the ninth in the country um you know you know to go from having like such a you know and that was a long and, you know, most of those guys didn't compete as much as I did. So it was a long season for me, you know, and the, the still, I remember that was probably the, that was probably the most throws I'd ever taken in a season, um, you know, to go to compete from March all the way to the end of June. A um, lot of, a lot of meets, a lot of throws, but ended up being really well. Cause again, I, you know, I still finished with, you know, three meets over 70 that year, obviously the big throw 75 and then started training post-collegiately. So was that transition to post-collegiate after you were at uh, USA's, were you just like, this is a no-brainer? Or was there a point where you were like, I'm kind of done here? Or what was your thought process there? Yeah, so all through college, um, my first goal, like I was a psych major and I wanted to be a sports psychologist. Um, and then once I, once that year happened in 2013, I pretty much knew um, that was going to go on the back burner. Um, yeah. You know, so, but I had done an internship that year with our athletic department and I actually was like, I actually kind of want to switch and work in athletics, you know, so I was like, you know, even with a psych major, you can still carry that into, you know, athletic or athletic administration, and all those things, mm -hmm. which was good, but I knew grad school was taking, you know, taking a, you know, being delayed, excuse me. So, but it was a no brainer. Like my coach was just like, there you go. Like, you know, you know, 60 you know, 62 to 68 to 75, 
you know, you've got that trajectory, you know, you got the trajectory. So it was kind of a no brainer. And I was like, I'm literally training for the Olympics right now. So, you know, again, I, I worked four part-time jobs, did, did whatever I had to do. Um, you know, bought javelins, bought hurdles, bought med balls, you know, bought, you know, like indoor jabs, jab ball, everything just spent too much money. Um, you know, but I, I was all in, I was 100% all in. Yeah, that's awesome. And just like knowing that, especially like you said, it's not like you're a eight year javelin thrower at that point. It was like, there was one year that really, really was javelin specific. Other than that, it was pretty much your hobby. So yeah, you're able just, to be that successful. Yeah, exactly. And just, just being an athlete, like that's yeah. what I came down to. Yeah, yeah. So like when you start that training, were you, where were you training at? Like how difficult was it to find a facility? And were you just solely funded on your own or were you getting any funding or benefits from elsewhere yeah so um no funding no benefits it was just like the uh national bank of tim van Lu at that point so <laughs> which ran pretty dry a lot of the time so um luckily you know my my parents were gracious enough to like let me move back in you know you know i was there so after i graduated you know i moved back home you know i had lived on campus you know just having done you know athletics and i worked then I was in school full-time so you know I lived on campus to make life a lot easier even though Rutgers Canada for me was 20 minutes away so but I didn't I ended up commuting for 2013 which you know was good but yeah you know it was all all my funding and then um but so I trained I trained at the gym I worked at I trained at my brother works in uh, a gym as well so I would go there because that's where I could throw a med ball so I would lift in my gym throw a med ball at his and then I would actually train out a Widener for throwing. So okay. they have a they have an indoor facility. Um, so all winter I would go in there. They have this huge like heavy duty divider nets, and then I would throw indoor jabs there. Um, you know, um, med ball if if the day asked for it, I lifted there too. So they were again, uh, Coach Finch over there super gracious to me to allow me to throw there. Um, and then there were um, I stayed there pretty much my, you know, 13 to 18, there were years where um, I went over to UPenn and trained because uh, they got the new runway, okay. uh, which was super nice. Um, and then I was training there the Olympic year um, to throw into that headwind, you know, try to kind of gear up for um, Oregon because I had thrown there in 15 for nationals and I wasn't prepared for it. Like, um, you know, I did, I was ninth, in 2015 at nationals and i just didn't throw well in that in the with that swirling headwind uh kind of thing i wasn't quite mentally checked in either uh i took a little too long for my warm-up on the on the warm-up fields and i like sprinted over um to get to literally get there on time for the competition which was crazy yeah um so i like sprinted over I threw my spikes on real quick. I got like all of two or three warm-up throws. Hold on, my dog's barking. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I only had a couple warm-up throws or whatever, um, and just kind of rushed through everything. Unfortunately. So, yeah. We we kind of made the decision train at Penn throughout the year get used to that headwind, you know, again, it's the Olympic year, all that. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, transitioning was and wasn't hard. So the first year, you know, it was, so 
first year after college was 14 and that was, you know, no world championship, no Olympics. So my coach and I basically threw up everything on the whiteboard. We were like, we're going to try to wrap. We're going to add speed. We're going to decrease speed. We're going to, I'm going to lift and gain 15, 20 pounds. Um, you know, we started, we tried everything, you know, we looked at every thrower, you know, we said, okay, what, what do all of them do? What do only specific, you know, throwers do, you know, you look at, you know, Zelezny, Thorkelson, Pikamaki, um, Vesely, Backley, um, Raymond Hecht, like you look at the old school throwers, you look at the new guys, like, um, you know, Roller was just coming onto the scene at that point. So um, even better, you know, I think his, you know, the first world before he, you know, when he was still doing that big rap technique and all that, like, we looked at everything and we just tried everything. We were like, okay, you know, you've got long arms. Can we use the whole arm? You know, do we have to short, you know, we ended up shortening it because I had good enough arm speed, but pro I, like probably a good enough arm and good enough arm speed, but it was always better, like a little bit shorter. Yeah. So again, we just, we tried everything. We tried less crossovers. We tried, you know, again, more speed, anything, anything we saw, we kind of we, we threw it up on the board and basically we knew that I was athletic enough to handle it. Um, and then we just found what worked. Right. That's awesome. And it's great to have that person in your corner. And it was probably, I don't know how you see it, but maybe a good thing that there was no Olympic year, no world's year, that it was yeah. just kind of your year to like make that transition and not feel like you had to do anything or this year is a failure it was just like yeah. let's just try everything like you said yeah see what works and obviously make that uh make that jump exactly and that's that's exactly what it came down to and in the end we got it right at at nationals that year uh sacramento in 14 but i fouled it it was like a 76 ish Ooh. throw yeah <laughs> so but we fouled it but we knew we got it right at the end um we just got a little unlucky so yeah but then I remember I, I trained a couple of weeks later. Um, I went up to Rutgers main campus and threw with some friends. And I hope I can say that. I don't know if we get in trouble, but I won't name names. <laughs> but went up there and I six seventy seven meter throw. Um, you know, I knew I was fit um, and everything. Again, we just got unlucky fouling that throw, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was, interesting because a couple of the friends here were like oh like don't you don't you take a step back and you know work on some things I was like well if I already have it if I'm already on I want to keep doing it you know I want to I want to practice one kick a thousand times kind of mentality like I don't right. want to I'm not gonna you know I don't need to deconstruct right now because it's it's July you know it's not like my season won't start till April or May whenever I choose to I don't have a college season to worry about right so I just kept I just kept going you know I had practices through like August that I was like really hitting them and just keeping that groove. And then I knew, okay, in September, you know, I'll back away because my lifting will, you know, start picking up way more volume. You know, I can't throw like this all year round, but um, yeah. So that, 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 that experimental year was, was a, was a big benefit to me. Absolutely. So then when do you get your personal best, which I believe I have is 79, 62. Like when do you get to that point where you're just near the 80 meter mark? Yeah. So like I said, like 14 was, you know, I missed on that PR of like 76. 
Um, you know, it still went that far, which was good. <laughs> and then the next year, 2015, you know, world championship year. So, you know, totally locked in on training. Um, you know, I was, I was getting help from different coaches. Like my coach was like, listen, I know I don't know everything. So I went to people like Tom Putzkis, Duncan Atwood, Jeff Gorski. Like they were super, uh, super helpful throughout, throughout my career, really. Um, you know, it's funny. My coach got in touch with Putzkis after I threw the 75-55 and he get him a stiff jab. Like he was just like, get him, like you have to get him a stiffer jab because that's what it's going to take to throw further. Right. And I'd have to adapt to throwing, you know, stiffer jabs like that. But they were great. I've done clinics. I went down to clinics with them, you know, like one-on-one -on -one stuff, um, which has been, which was super helpful. Um, 2015, I, I opened up the year pretty consistent. And then I went down to Tucson and through, um, I knew if I was going to make worlds, I was going to have to use to the trial one day finals, two days later. Um, so I did the Thursday night and I threw pretty well. I threw like, like a like a decent PR like 75 um, 80 or something like that so it was a it was a recorded PR at that time and then the next the Saturday night um, I threw first throw for, I was the first thrower first throw uh, 7942 <laughs> totally like I, I I love that video I still remember the feeling of it I actually remember that one mm -hmm. um, but I just I just like I was tired from Thursday, but again, it's kind of like, you know, you only have so much, so, you know, you can't force it, but you've got to bring your competition energy. And that was super helpful. So I just went in, I wailed on that one. Um, still ended up placing third because Riley and Sam Humphreys uh, beat me out that night. Um, but by all means, credit to them because Riley was on it. As soon as he hit that, you know, in 2013, when he hit that 83, he just went on a tear and it's still going on a tear. Um, you know, and then Hump and Sam threw like, Sam threw like, he, Riley threw like 82, Sam threw like 80 or 81, and then I was 79. But that was a huge breakthrough um, because I was like, all right, I'm in the mix. You know, I, I, you know, at that competition, I was ahead of guys like Sean Fury, Craig Kinsley, Barry Kramis, and, you know, guys like that. So I was like, all right, like, here it is. Um, and then the next year, the Olympic year was like, I had done like 1500 throw, like med ball throw workouts all that year, like every workout, like at least a thousand, like train my butt off and everything. And then again, on at Tucson, the first night I ended up throwing like 78 and winning that competition. And then um, the Saturday night, every throw was above 75. I had like two throws like above 77 and then the 79.62. So I knew I was like right on the edge of breaking that 80 meter mark um, and hopefully getting the standard. And then uh, I got invited to go to Jamaica uh, for an international competition. And I, was, I wasn't I was doing great. You know, I was forcing a couple things. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last throw I crashed down on my ribs so I got, I picked up an intercostal injury. So, and that was three weeks before trial. So it was like terrible timing. Right. Um, yeah. So that kind of stunk because I kept, I, I kept having a rehab. I couldn't throw, I, I couldn't rotate. 
you know, nothing that we're supposed to be able to do. I could barely run because it was too much pressure. Uh, but by the time I got to trials, I was basically healthy enough to throw, but I was still apprehensive to throw hard. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was hitting my block differently. I wasn't, you know, I was hitting more open than I normally would. So don't mind my dog. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was hitting more open than I normally would. Um, you know, all of these factors just, you know, and I ended up placing seventh, which again is such a highlight of my career, which is great. Like, you know, the one Olympic trials I went to, I placed seventh. It's great. But of course you're just kind of like frustrated because you can't chase the standard after that. Um, you know, so it's like, do I continue the season? You know, do I kind of like, okay, now that I'm healthy, do I train? And I went to Jaff Fest, fouled out, which is terrible. Um, so that was kind of a disappointment because I was like, well, if I can just throw a big number, okay, I know I'm back on track and all of these things, but I just mentally got so, you know, out of it from that injury and everything. So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, it was, it was, t- it was, that was tough. Absolutely. It was, it was still great. Like awesome experience. Right. And like you said, it's just unfortunate that it's three weeks before and doing something just like, it just so happens it's like that. I mean, what are the odds yeah, out of right. everything? You throw so many times that it's courses right there, right yeah. there. And then when it really couldn't be, but like, I mean, obviously you still had an amazing season that year getting right by that 80 meter mark, but then yep. obviously now you're not throwing anymore. Correct. I have not. Yeah. I retired after 2018. Yeah. So like you get, to, you're so close to 80 meters, but then how does it come to that decision that, I'm done throwing. Like, what was that mm. process like? Yeah. So the, so 2017, um, I was, I picked up a small injury in training. So I delayed my opener and then I went down to Florida for a meet and then, um, I strained my adductor, which put me out to the end of, or actually put me out to like the second week in June. So I had to rehab for like six weeks. Um, threw at a local meet and threw really well I threw I came back and threw like a 75 and a 76 I was like all right qualify for nationals and then you know all that good stuff and then but that injury again just set me back because I knew I was fit but you know then you pick up the injury and then you kind of stay you know you don't really progress right I placed fourth at USC's and then went out to Chula Vista to try to chase the standard that didn't happen you know and then that's kind of the year it's like okay two years in a row I pick up an injury that sets me back um you know even that I even though I threw pretty well you know for the couple of meets that I had in uh, 17 it just like mentally starts to get at you um but also in my personal life you know I got engaged in 2017 and married in 2017 so you know knowing that my wife and I like she fully supported me and Javelin and I love her for that because she is not a sports woman whatsoever. <laughs> so, um, which is probably good for me because I mean, I, if she was, I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe I'd still be doing it, but we wouldn't, we, we probably wouldn't have the home that we have. We wouldn't have a child. So, you know, she always put things, you know, in perspective because of course there has to be life after javelin. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know at some point that, you know, you know, we get married, you know, we buy our first home, obviously there, you know, there's bills to pay. So life sets in. And as a javelin thrower, you know, I was spending more money than I was making. So for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but one of the, you know, in 2018, um, 
you know, that year was crazy. We had a lot of, and I, I won't name it, um, but we just had a lot of life happen in 2018. And again, it really put it, put things into perspective for us. Um, you know, and like, like for me, um, like in our, in our, and for our faith, I was, I just remember like a message at our church, um, especially on the like responsibilities as a husband. And it just hit me. I was like, this is it. Like, this is it for me. And that was actually after the season because I had picked up an elbow injury, like a UCL injury. Um, and I didn't throw, I threw once before USA's that year, once or twice. So I went into USA's still hurt. I was probably, I probably had micro tears but I was probably pretty much right at the point of if you throw one more time, you're going to completely blow up your UCL. So between the injuries, uh, but primarily again, with just the decision, you know, in, the decision in faith for us, it just was like, it, it's hard because then it's like, okay, 2018 is another down year, but then it's like, well, if you go out one more, it's like that. If you go one more year and you make it, then the next year is what well, it was supposed to be an Olympic year. And then again, right after that is Worlds again. And, you know, with Worlds that were supposed to be in Eugene, what was supposed to be next summer, of course, now everything's pushed back a year. It's like, how do you not go for that three-year cycle again? Right. So, you know, that was the thing. And it was just like, I wasn't, like, I wasn't mentally there to commit another three years. Because even if I got back to where I was on that bubble, you know, about that 80-meter bubble, that's the same question. It's like, well, if you're close, how do you not do it again? But if you make it, how do you not keep going? Right. You know, so I just, you know, it was a tough, it was definitely a tough decision um, on the outside, but on the inside, I knew it was the right, you know, the right choice. So. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I don't think that's something that I've asked enough people on that are done throwing, like, how do they know? But I, mm. and I guess that's definitely not what I would have guessed, but I really like it. And I think it's interesting and just shows as you said, like your wife not being the biggest sports person, like having that outside perspective of like yeah. understanding what's important because obviously it's still important to you, but yeah. like just just understanding that that's super interesting and I'm glad you shared that with us. Yeah. I got two more questions for you. Sure. First, going back, I mean, if you listen to any episodes, you know what the last question is, but uh, before that, like, do you want to talk about just your career as a division three athlete and like, would you have preferred to be at a division one and just what are some pros and cons of being in that division three route compared to a division one? Yeah. It's it. I don't know what it's like to be a D one thrower, of course. Um, but I look at it cause you know, if you look at the high school number one eighty one, you could, you know, you could go, you know, I guess where you're called your low end D one, you know, maybe if you, you know, if you, had really good grades or something and you had like a really good connection, maybe you get into like that, you know, upper end um, D one program. Because again, I think if you like, from what I've heard of coaches and stuff like that, it's like, if you see the athlete, if you know them athletically and then you see the number and they're like, Oh, I can take 180 to, you know, you know, up to maybe 230. Cause again, even a 70 meter throw at D one, you're talking all American, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of the range you want to get in from like probably 69 to 72 ish. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, because again, I've seen good stuff and bad stuff from D1, kind of like what we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the beginning, but, you know, I think getting sold out on Javelin was best for me after the fact, um, you know, kind of like what you hear from guys like Sean Fury 
you know, Sean is like, I mean, I don't know how he still throws. He's going to throw <laughs> till his arm falls off, but you know, you just get so wrapped up in it. And I'm sure a lot of throwers can, you know, kind of get there. I didn't get there really until 20, uh, tw- like 2012, 2013. So I think that, you know, going to D3 and really not even going pursuing jab, just being an athlete and just kind of being open-minded to it is really what led at least the, my career path because, you know, without, without going to Rutgers, without having both my soccer coach who taught me so many lessons off the field and then meeting my, you know, coach and really lifelong friend um, who's still to this day, like Joe Paleo, um, you know, without those things, I can't, I can't say that I would have had the success that I had, if you want to call it success, like, you know, so even, and again, like kind of what we talked about before, like going to Rutgers, not having every, all the facilities, all the equipment, all these things, like it just made me creative, um, think creatively and just really work harder because, you know, without having never, you know, practiced on a runway other than one or two times, um, you know, throughout my whole college career, you get on the runway and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to tear it up today. So, yeah. You know, divi- and for me, division three, was always school first, you know, I, for me, I wanted to stay close to home. Um, I knew Rutgers had the psych program that I wanted to go into, um, you know, and it just provided so many opportunities, you know, athletically and academically um, and things like that. So, you know, for me, if, if I'm going to tell anyone about anything, it's fine, you know, school first, um, you know, and school is, you know, both academic and the social life that you want. Do you want to be, you know, near like an urban area, like for us in Camden, it was Philly across the bridge, you know, Cherry Hill, which is a big town, not too far away. Um, you know, smaller towns that just provide, you know, like that little downtown feel uh, kind of thing. So lots of opportunities versus, you know, just going across the street and seeing Drexel, LaSalle, Penn, you know, right in the heart of the city kind of thing. So, right. you know, it's fine, find a school fit, find the demographic fit of course athletically find the coach that fits um you know of course you can go to the big schools and see all the facilities but like you kind of mentioned before if you've got a coach who's who doesn't even listen to any of your thoughts how's that going to work out when that's maybe a relationship you had in high school or from a personal coach where you just you could actually communicate with them about hey this is what i'm feeling you know um you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. So for me, I found such a perfect mix. And again, I think that's what really set me to go as far as I did. Right, exactly. And as you said, like we talked about before, the fit is the most important because with Javelin specifically, your mark's going to count the same. The tape measure is right. the same at Division One, Division Two, and Division Three, or NAI Absolutely. or JUCO or, or JUCO or wherever mm-hmm. you're going. Like that's going to be the same distance. So it's like, you're still making USAs if you throw 7250 or whatever that mark yep. is, regardless of what school you're at. So he, there it's definitely about like, and, and this sport too, it's great that it's about development as well. You can see that progression where, and sometimes if it's like uh, for baseball or something, cause I'm have a baseball background. Like yep. if you're at a division three school, the coaches are going to care about winning now because 99.9% of the people are not going professional where at the division one level, maybe they'd be, have more of a, emphasis on actual development where the other ones are just like how can we win these games this weekend because it's yeah. like that but with this it's like for track i mean it's pretty much developed like it has to be development that's the nature of the sport like you can just see year over year was there progress was it not progress like where that's not the same anywhere or in 
many other sports, if any. So I think that's definitely, definitely good advice. And I, I've been in both worlds, so I, I know exactly what you mean. So definitely, yeah. definitely a good tip. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, coach, coaching wise, it's, you know, be able to talk to the person before and after practice. I mean, that was the biggest thing with my coach and I, that was, that was huge because after practice we would sit there and watch javelin throwers and, you know, try to, you know, the first time you try to say Taro Pikamaki, like you probably fumble it around, but then, <laughs> you know, after a while, it's just like, Oh yeah, Tara does this. And like, you're just name dropping Finnish Olympic Olympic medalists kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. and not on a personal level, but just like, you know, that's, that's just kind of where we got to because we just watched these videos over and over again, but it was the relationship of the fact that he wanted me to succeed. And with Rutgers, the program was so small. I mean, but what's incredible, all credit to my coach is that he's, he's had the most all Americans of any sport at Rutgers um, with no facilities. So you talk about being able to coach uh, and just making it work. I mean, he's had runners, he's had me as a thrower, um, sprinters, hurdlers, every, you know, everybody at that point. So, um, you know, it's crazy that, you know, I was just able to have such a more like one-on-one -on -one relationship, not just, okay, you know, one coach, all four throws, you know, he's just kind of standing in the middle and pivoting, you know, watching and just saying, Oh, uh, you know, your blocks here do this. And then, Oh, your arms here do that. And like, it's not just, it's every little detail we got to hit on. And that was crucial for me. Cause like you said, development is key. And I was raw. I was luckily I was athletic as I guess, if you want to call it that, like, as athletic as I was, yeah. maybe, maybe still am if I stretch long enough, um, <laughs> you know, but you know, we, he just saw, he just said, you know, if we do, you know, if we, if we find what works really well and just again, one kick a thousand times, that's the approach we always took and you know, it worked. That's awesome. Great advice to all the high school people out here. I've been recommending a bunch of stuff for high schoolers lately gotta yeah. listen to this one i'll make sure to put that in the description when i post it cool. <laughs> so wrapping up here you yeah. said you watched all those hours of video who would you say is your favorite thrower of all time and why oh man that's a hard one um as as beautiful as Selesny throws um i actually like one of his athletes vesely vesely so smooth and as far as being a linear thrower you know to follow instead of trying to like look at it, you know, all the beautiful guys who use the rotational technique, um, you know, Vesely just, you know, if you still frame like his block and, you know, just the fact that he doesn't get a crazy amount of separation and just things like that. I mean, I use him all the time with my throwers, just as far as like how I, you know, how I tend to go about coaching the event. And I'm just like, simple. It's like, there's just not a lot that goes on in his technique, but he's, you know, he's an 88 meter thrower. He's fouled 89 meters. Like everything just works so efficiently. Like, it's just like, you know, I just love watching him. I would say he's probably my favorite and maybe, um, Andres Barnick, I think Estonian, he's mm -hmm. a world champion, uh, from 2005 in that gigantic, crazy rainstorm they had in Helsinki. I know exactly um, the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, <laughs> I mean, I just remember it like, but I, he, again, same idea, just so smooth on the runway, um, you know, hits, hits that block. And I mean, just absolutely crushes, you know, crushes throws and everything like that. And of course, like you love 
you know, the big time guys, like it was hard to wrap my mind around how Backley throws because he's six six, two fifty, and just got he's got that crazy forward lean, but his shoulder stays a mile back behind him and you know, but definitely I'm rambling now Vesley for sure. That's a good that's the yeah. first time someone's answered that, but I, I know exactly the technique you're talking about. I've seen a bunch yeah. of his slow-mos and it's just like it's interesting too to see the angle you come at it because you're coming at it from like obviously you watched it, but you're also coming at it from a coach's perspective, like why do I like this? Oh, because it's like kind of how I like to explain things to people, which is yeah. definitely definitely interesting where some people as a, and if I interview a high school athlete, they're not going to have that same reason as like, oh, I like it because that's how I imagine the event. They're just going to be like, I think he's cool or I think she's mm-hmm. cool or something like that. So right. definitely like that perspective, but good answer. First one to do it. Episode 30. We've made it this far when you've uh, you've been unique with that answer, but it's definitely a good one. Yeah. And I think that like I always I even tell my kids and I tell everyone, you know, feel free to watch like the professional throwers. Of course, you know, that's the highest level. It's the most exciting, just like football players watch the NFL and such, but you know, never try to mimic them. You know, my only gray area is say, get as close as the vessel as you can. Like yeah. that's, that's my old, that's <laughs> the only one I'll say because everyone else I'm like, listen, like you may look like him or her, but you got to remember at the professional level, that's all they do. So athletically, they're trained, you know, all the, all those factors in. So like, let's look at the, you know, and if I could share a story real quick, you know, I was down at a camp with Tom Putz, like jab the um, USA project javelin gold. If I'm messing up the name. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So they, they had a sports psychologist come in who's worked with Trinidad and Tobago. So I've, I've been to a camp where she spoke as well. So I know, yeah. exactly, I don't know her too. Yeah. So she calls Keshorn Walcott um and yeah yeah youngest olympic gold medals in the javelin like no big deal but he gets on the call and we unfortunately gets cut off because of service but you know we got so lucky because he said if you look at every thrower at the end of the throw they're all trying to get to the same spot now of course how they get there is different because you know some guys are taller some guys are more powerful some guys faster you know all their approaches are different but every thrower at the time of the block, they're in in a small range of basically trying to get to that one position. And he he said, once you find, once you look at it from that perspective, you just work backwards to make sure you get mm-hmm. to that spot. And once like once I heard that, I was just like, man, that makes so much sense. It's just like you just simplify everything. So that's an approach that I've taken is literally stand in the block position you want to get to. And then, you know, take a step into it, take three steps into it, you know, jog into it, you know, and then eventually you just work backwards. So you build up to your full approach. And as soon as you get, you know, the closer you get to accomplishing that goal, throws just start like, you know, you'll see distances improve and more than likely you'll feel a lot better because you're not changing things every time. And you're not thinking about, oh, I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Like you're just thinking about one maybe two things so that was that i i really always like to share that one so hopefully more people get something out of that no i love that now you got me wanting to go to the track right now even though yeah yeah i was just telling you how i'm going to take some time off of throwing but now i want to get back out there so (laughs) maybe not the best thing for my body but my mind (laughs) is all all racing now i definitely want to take advantage of that and earlier i was looking at my phone because i was typing down something you were saying so i'll make sure to write that down as well because that's super good advice i appreciate you sharing that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thank, 
thank Keyshawn because uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah. I mean, I just you know, I like I said, I like to tell that story because that comes from an Olympic gold medalist, and obviously he's had huge success. You know, ninety meter thrower and you know lots. I think he was bronze in sixteen. If yeah, I remember, I believe, yeah. yeah, and then you know, great, you know, great results otherwise. So you know. Absolutely. And hopefully I'll be able to thank him personally. So I've yeah, got to reach out to him. Be, absolutely. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I got to start making sure I'm on the ball and getting out to those guys. Cause that would, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. That would be super cool. Well, Tim, thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate you coming on and reaching out to me. Like I said earlier, I mean, I would have gotten to you eventually, I'm sure, but I'm glad <laughs> you did it because it's just, it was a great interview and you shared so much uh, awesome information. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, I didn't want to just like, hey, put me on the podcast. I didn't want to come across, but like I said, I, I sometimes it's hard to get people to talk about jab. Sometimes some people want to keep secrets, but you know, again, obviously as a coach, I have a different mentality, and I'm I'm glad you know the guys that have have come on, you know, Glover, Riley, Sean, all those guys. It's and all the even the you know Kim Om and um, the uh, female thrower. I can't remember her name, but you know, all those people, Gorski, all those guys. It's just awesome to see that they're you know, collectively coming together for something like this. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it obviously, cause it makes yeah. my job easy, but yeah. I've, everyone, I've never had a guest I didn't like. Everybody's different in their own way, but they've all been more than willing to share their stories. Like I've never had someone really hi like you said, hiding anything from me. Most yeah. of the time they're an open book, but I just want to, I always want to make sure I'm telling the story the way they want it to be told too, where it's not a, I just write these questions in stone and we go off that. Like, what does someone want to share? Like if you were going to say, I want to talk about my career, I want you to be able to say like, this is, I told it how I want to tell it, not how someone else wants it. So that's yeah. always, always my goal when I get people on. But like I said, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Get this out in the next couple of days. Yeah, no, don't, don't rush. I hate my voice on, <laughs> on microphone. So don't rush. But yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was awesome. Awesome. Keep you around, swear to God I'm not gonna switch on you